0: to the Testudo Times podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins
1: Colossus.
0: Welcome back to the Testudo Times podcast, episode twelve. Although it's really episode thirteen, if you listen to the Steve Ayrton interview, which I hope all of you did. It would make me really disappointed if you didn't. I worked very hard on that. Uh, on this show, what would happen if there was a turtle taking a piece of pizza away from the New York subway instead of a rat? I'll ask Pete Volk that question. What would have happened if it was a turtle and not a rat? Would the internet have gone as crazy?
1: I mean, the rat was taking it to his four teenage turtle sons. I don't know why everyone didn't see that. The turtle was implied.
0: Ah, very good. It only took about an hour into that entire craze for somebody to make the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reference. (laughs) Uh, it only took an hour, which in- vehemently disappointed me. Uh, a couple of little sidecasts, podcast tidbits that you should know. Yes, again, I hope you listened to the Steve Arid interview. We really enjoyed it. Coach Arid is a fascinating character. He was incredibly blunt, but somebody you want to believe in and you want to take heed that he is building that volleyball program the right way. Somebody wrote in the comments when I posted that podcast, why can't our football coach talk like that? That was, that was something pretty interesting to read and also kind of made me laugh. And the other thing you should have noticed when you listened to this podcast or the Steve aired one, there's an intro. It's me talking over the victory song, but it makes our podcast look a little bit better than me just dumping the show into Audacity, cleaning it up and putting it on SoundCloud, which is basically what I did before. I'm lazy, but it's okay. So I hope you enjoyed all those things. We'll hopefully get a chance to do more coach interviews and player interviews in the future. That's something I'd like to strive for. Anyway, let's talk about USF, because this was a weird game. It was a weird game, as I said before. It was not triple X-rated like I thought it was going to be. Give it time. There will be triple X-rated games later in the season. And after I was hanging out with some USF folks after the game, they thought they had a legitimate chance to win, which surprised me, because I know Maryland was bad against Bowling Green, but I didn't think they were that bad. Pete, why would a mentality like that exist for a team that, most outsiders would agree is terrible
1: yeah i think it's a combination of looking at how poorly Maryland played on on offense specifically against Bowling green but also on defense uh, um, as well as you know just being an optimistic fan you look at usf it's like hey willie tackard's been recruiting this region very well for south florida and hey he was also a good coach at western Kentucky. He's been really bad here, but maybe it's time he finally turns it around. And that does not look to be the case. And uh, I, I imagine uh, if Maryland ends up playing uh, South Florida again, which I believe they're not scheduled soon. No. Because that I, was a two-year series. They'll be playing Central Florida and Florida International next year. On the road. Uh, I don't think Willie Taggart will be, the, will be the coach there next time, if that ever happens. Uh, but best of luck to him and his future.
0: Best of luck to him in the American Athletic Conference. He's got to deal with Memphis and Temple. That's not easy. Yeah, I kind of feel bad for the guy. I kind of feel bad for my USF friends now. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about the game specifically. Let's talk about Caleb Rowe. I don't think there could have been a more Caleb Rowe performance than what we saw on Saturday. His second throw of the game was a lame duck interception that USF promptly scored on the next play. He threw the first four touchdown games since Danny O'Brien in 2010. He threw the first... 300-yard game, I believe, since Virginia in 2012. Tells you quite a lot. And you also had a great stat on this is the first four-touchdown, three-interception game for Maryland since... Sam Hollenbeck. (sighs) Jeez. We're going back into the record books for this one. Boy, oh boy. So let's dissect this performance. As I said, epitome of a Caleb Rowe performance, but mainly I think the notable aspect of it was how he was able to stretch the field and use Maryland's athletes and playmakers like they're supposed to be used instead of using them underneath and praying that they turn water into wine. So how did Caleb Rowe open up the defense of South Florida on Saturday?
1: Yeah, I think the best example of it is his his deep lob to Tavon Jacobs. You know, the younger Jacobs brother hadn't been utilized all that well with Perry Hills uh, just because, like you were mentioning, with the under game that they used, a lot of that involved Laverne Jacobs rather than Tavon um, because Tavon, you just want to send him down the field. Um, and with Caleb Rowe's arm, he was able to do exactly that. You know, he, he sent a laser down the field, pinpoint right into Tavon's hands, didn't even have to break stride, just a perfect play and all, just about impossible to defend. Um, and so that's the good Caleb Rowe. The bad Caleb Rowe is the one that lobs the ball up in the middle of coverage and gets picked off. Um, but I think, you know, with more experience, you uh,
0: as in as, as in when he throws five of them against West Virginia on Saturday?
1: Yeah, that's, that's going to be really rough. Um, I think Maryland really has to be careful with how they decide the game plan against West Virginia because that's one of the very best secondaries in the country. And with an inexperienced quarterback who has a history of decision-making issues, if he has a really bad game, it can be hard to recover from that.
0: So... The good Caleb Rowe, though, not only did he open up the deep play, they utilized options in the offense that we just hadn't seen before. A tight end caught two touchdowns in a Maryland game. It has—it must have not been since Vernon Davis that that has happened. It certainly hasn't happened in the Randy Edsel era. I, I joked about it when Maryland was playing Richmond that Edwards was the first tight end to catch a pass basically since Matt Furstenberg, which I know wasn't true, but it felt like it. Avery Edwards had a, had a pretty good game, and... You can see the versatility of the offense at a DJ Moore plenty of receivers and S- Malcolm Colmer and somebody else was at a was targeted a couple of times I forget his name I'm ashamed of myself who got who was the other receiver that got targets besides the ones we had mentioned
1: before they, they spread the ball around a lot Laverne Jacobs was again the most targeted receiver um, a true freshman Jarvis Davenport was that's what was times. That's, who, that's that's who it was he didn't catch a pass though but he was he this was his first um, appearance. Just in terms of being a part of the passing game, I'd like to give myself a little shout out though, because before the season, when we were asked to make picks for potential sleepers, I said DJ Moore and Avery Edwards. I'd like to say I nailed it.
0: You did absolutely get that right, and
1: uh, DJ Moore has been Maryland's best wide receiver this year. I know I'll talk about Avery Edwards in a second, but just looking at the the stats, uh, I think a great stat, just kind of catch all for wide receivers, is yards per target. I mean, basically, if a quarterback throws it to that receiver. How many yards can they expect per throw? Uh, Whether or not he catches it, I guess, uh, the ideal would be catching it. And D.J. Moore is number one on the team. Um, It makes sense. Laverne Jacobs is the number one option. He's more experienced. Uh, I think it's important for him to play a big role in the offense. But Maryland really had a good find in D.J. Moore, a very high-quality recruit out of Philadelphia has made an immediate impression. Um, As for Edwards, another uh, great pickup, late pickup, uh, the former North Carolina commitment who was a late addition to the program this offseason, he's a really explosive playmaker at the tight end position, and I think that adds a different ability to Maryland's offense that has primarily used the tight end in blocking situations under Randy Etzel and Mike Loxley. Well,
0: it's different because now with the quarterback lining up way more under center than Maryland ever had before, You would think sometimes that that could almost open up the tight end, but also close it off because in those heavy formations and you're trying to run the ball, you're going to load up with tight ends. But Edwards had a really good game. The second touchdown particularly was a completely busted coverage. I've never seen a Maryland tight end that wide open before (laughs) in my life.
1: It's Uh, also interesting with Rowan there, they actually ran more out of the gun. Than they did the first two games, which is I'm, to be expected. But they still are going under center more than they did last season.
0: It feels like if they're going under center way more than they ever did, and it feels like they're going under center more than many college offenses are. Is that just me? I've been watching a lot of college football this year more than usual. But is that I, just me for for saying that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it I, it all depends on where you're at. Even Iowa's running out of the gun actually this year. So that's a uh, that, alert the authorities. Yeah, that's uh, that's scaring me a lot because. I had thought to myself, I mean, you remember from before yes. the season when I was saying that Maryland would beat Iowa because psh, it's the same old Iowa. Um, apparently it's not. They're doing rugby punts and shotgun formations. Kirk Ferentz said it's a new me. <laughs> Things so- that the
0: rest of the football world picked up on 10 years ago. Yeah. So when Iowa was in the Orange Bowl in 2003, the 2003 Orange Bowl, the rest of the country was starting to use Aussies as punters rugby-style punts, and the shotgun formation. What a wild concept. Iowa didn't do that until now. Gives you kind of an idea. Uh, one of the things the passing game, the deep passing game specifically, was supposed to do was open up the run. It, it, it didn't really do that. Now, I want to get to the West Brown targeting, which was the most hilarious thing I have ever seen at any football game I've been to until Brandon Ross fumbled or dribbled the ball into the end zone, as we put it. Uh <laughs> Let's let's get to the running game before we get to the targeting thing. Why is the running game not working right now?
1: I, I don't know if it's not working right now. I, I think that, like, you know, it's Wes Brown getting knocked out of the game hurt. Uh, Maryland likes to be able to alternate between Brandon Ross and Wes Brown. Um, and him only having – West Brown only having one carry in the game hurt the running game. Um, Beyond that, though, I think that the issue is still with Maryland's offensive line, which did not have a good day, in my opinion, against South Florida. South Florida's defensive line was the best Maryland has faced so far. Um, They had multiple players in that unit with offers from Florida State. um, And their linebackers are also very talented and coming back from suspensions. Uh, So Maryland was facing a much more talented front seven than it had in the past. And the offensive line, particularly the interior, did not do a good job adjusting. And so Brandon Ross rarely had any um, uh, openings to kind of exploit. Ty Johnson as well, didn't have a great game, but I think that both of them kind of did what they needed to do. I mean, they helped set up the passing game. There weren't many explosive plays, but uh, I I thought it was fine.
0: But on the other side, Maryland has not allowed a sack in their first three games. Let me repeat this because it bears repeating. Maryland's offensive line has not allowed a sack in its first three games. Holy crap.
1: Yeah, and they're second in the nation in sacks on defense.
0: On that one, that that doesn't surprise me at all because Maryland's yeah. defensive line is still very, very good. But yeah. the, the not allowing any sacks is insane. Aren't they one of four teams in the country, I believe, that
1: hasn't allowed a sack yet? That is correct.
0: Who And name the teams just for the sake of argument.
1: Uh, let me look them up. Uh, while I have that, uh, Yannick Ngakwe is fourth in the country in you know, Saxon. Okay, four, the four other teams are Air Force, which makes sense because they run a triple option. Uh, Toledo, Arkansas, which is funny because Toledo <laughs> beat Arkansas. And Texas Tech, which is funny because Texas Tech also beat Arkansas. Um, so those are the, the other four teams. I, I, I will say... <laughs> that although Maryland has not given up a sack this year, that does not mean Maryland has protected the quarterback all year. Um, Caleb Rowe, one of his interceptions was because he decided to throw the ball instead of taking a sack. Yes. Um,
0: Or throwing it away, which he could have done I wonder,
1: yeah, and that that happened in previous games, too. And I wonder how much emphasis Maryland's coaching staff placed this offseason on not taking a sack Uh, because – the quarterbacks have seemed to be okay, the rush is coming, get the ball out
0: <laughs> or get out of the pocket
1: or get out of the pocket, which is a stronger suit for some than others. Well, uh does but, also
0: just yeah. on that point, does it seem like again, even Caleb Rowe had a couple of good scrambles in this game? Does mm-hmm. it seem like they're telling him if your first read isn't there and you feel the rush, bail? Cuz that's cuz that's what it kind of seems like.
1: Yeah, I I mean, it we'll have to see how that continues because I mean, overall, Maryland's offensive line has done a good job pass blocking. There have been a few times where the pressure has gotten through, and we've seen uh, Caleb either throw it up or or go on the run. Same with Perry Hills when he was playing. Um, but that'll be something to monitor as the real tough schedule, uh, it's tough slate of the schedule starts Saturday. Yes, it does. Let's does that get count to- as a segue?
0: It does well, sort of, because I want to talk until about it I again. said it
1: was a segue. And
0: so, well, well, now that you said it was a segue, it's not a segue anymore because I'm going to transition <laughs> to the defense because we have to talk about the defense. Sure. We got to the pass rush. So, despite what the stats might have said—17 points allowed and USF's offense having like almost no yards—you were telling me prepod the defense didn't play quite as well as the numbers would have shown. Why was that the case?
1: Well, there were still a few coverage lapses. I think that. The reason that the stats look so good is because South Florida is one of the worst teams in the country on offense. Um, Maryland did a fairly good job taking running back Marlon Mack out of the game. I think that was the best thing that they did, and that was what they needed to do. He still averaged like six yards a carry, but he didn't break off any long runs that could have threatened. The real problem was (laughs) Maryland let South Florida beat them deep on a play, and that should never, ever, ever, ever happen. Didn't happen like twice?
0: Didn't happen. I,
1: the- I, I'm thinking of one play in particular, the drop, where uh, the drop, right? And that that was really bad because that that is not the first time that Sean Davis and Anthony Nixon have had just a complete coverage lapse where they both looked at each other like, huh? As the wide receiver just streaks past both of them down the field, um, that would have changed things in the game if he had caught that pass. Um, and Maryland should be very thankful that he didn't. Because the rest of the teams this year will catch that pass, and you can't keep doing that. Sean Davis redeemed himself with two interceptions, mm-hmm. but uh, that's that's an issue. Uh, you know, come into the season thinking that Maryland's secondary is going to be a strength, and in each game there has been at least one notable mistake on a deep ball.
0: Well, it's not Will Likely. We could still talk to him now. USF did punt to Will Likely a couple of times, which was stunning. But he yeah. didn't have a great game. So yeah, he, kudos to USF special teams for being good. Good job. That was a, well done to you. I was like, I was watching the, their punter. I'm like, are they going to kick? They kick to Will Likely. Holy crap! Oh, they tripped him up. Dang it! They they kick to him again. What the heck are you doing? Why are you kicking to Will? They tripped him up again. Why are you? Well, the good news is it'll tell more teams to kick to Will Likely, and then he'll return a punt for a touchdown to a team that's unsuspecting, which I guess is a good with way of a t- uh, good way of doing business,
1: right? <laughs> Yeah, uh, they they uh, did a fair job with it, I would say. Uh, he had two returns, 22 yards. He's still on pace to break the record, uh, but it'll take a little bit longer.
0: It will definitely take a little bit longer. So let's swiftly move on from that game because I think we talked about everything we needed to talk about <laughs> about USF. I don't really want to talk about that game anymore. It's starting to wear on my nerves. Oh, Let's talk about another game that's going to be fairly ugly. West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh Okay, now for what it's worth, the last time Maryland went into West Virginia at two and one, looking not great and as a huge underdog, West Virginia was in the top 10 at this point. They only lost by 10 and played a pretty decent game. I'm thinking of the, the 2012 game, right? Perry Hills had a great game. That was one of the 300yard passing games actually. And that was also the Stefan Diggs show. Maryland doesn't have Stefan Diggs anymore. Perry Hills is thankfully not starting. What can Maryland do to make this a remotely competitive game? Because, well, let's be honest. West Virginia's faced two cupcakes and a bye. We do, we haven't played anybody. This, this whoa, Maryland's
1: whoa, 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 whoa. What? West Virginia's opener, Georgia Southern, would beat the crap out of Maryland. Would I'm they? Pretty sure? Yes. Georgia yeah. Southern, last season, in its first year in the FBS, went undefeated in Sun Belt play and won the conference championship. The Sun Belt. By almost every statistical measure, Georgia Southern is a better team than Maryland and was last year. And West Virginia beat them 44 to nothing. Uh, Don't let the score confuse you into thinking it's a cupcake. Georgia Southern is one of the best mid-major programs out there, and I guarantee is better than Maryland right now.
0: Uh, I I don't know enough about college football (laughs) to make that judgment other than to say it's Georgia Southern. They're in the Sun Belt. Sorry.
1: And the other team they beat, Liberty, 41 to 17. That's coached by former Buffalo phenom Turner Gill, is an FCS playoff team uh west virginia maryland you know,
0: beat the fcs playoff team 50 to 20 sure
1: sure so. liberty is probably better than richmond but uh yeah i would not expect good things to happen uh just by f slash plus west virginia is a top 15 team right now uh maryland's number 81 in the country georgia southern for reference number 63 uh that this is not going to be good but please sorry continue i just i had to stand up for my georgia southern people okay
0: okay fine it's been given that opportunity. The fun belt has risen after Maryland let maxin happen all over us. Okay. What can Maryland do to prevent this game from
1: being very, very, very ugly? Uh, Maryland honestly has to get lucky. Maryland has to get turnovers, uh, advantageous field position through Will Likely and other means. Uh, because West Virginia's defense is one of the very best in the country. Uh, right now, it, they rank number one on um, many different categories in the nation especially on standard downs which is the opposite of passing downs Uh, so you guys can imagine it's like first and 10 second six etc and they just have a terrifying team Uh, west virginia is a sleeper big 12 candidate uh, terrifying rush defense strong secondary and dana holgerson is the head coach so they have an explosive offense i have a hard time seeing a path to victory for maryland this game but it would involve caleb rowe not throwing interceptions maryland not getting called for a dozen penalties like it did against south florida which Mm -hmm. is frankly inexcusable for year five of a head coach with an under talented team i mean let let me just go on this for a second because i decided to leave out a mini rant in my in my post about that today uh Randy Edsel currently is in his fifth year, which means it's finally all of his players. What it also means is that the class at his seniors right now was his first recruiting class. If you all remember, he was hired in January, signing days in February, so he had just one month to put together a class. Understandably, not a great ranking class. So this season, the seniors on Maryland's team are not quite as talented as you would usually expect, which means you can't play with so many mistakes, You can't turn the ball over three times and commit 12 penalties, and you definitely can't do that when you're an underdog, which Maryland should be for every game for the rest of the year, I believe.
0: Every game? Oh, they're not going to be an underdog against Rutgers. Come on.
1: I think uh, Rutgers is the closest. Honestly, I thought it was going to be Indiana. Indiana beat Western Kentucky, which is almost on the level of Bowling Green. I mean, Maryland didn't come anywhere close to beating Bowling Green. And Indiana just won that game. So it's really hard for me to see. Uh, Maryland has to travel to Rutgers, correct? They do. Uh, But Rutgers lost to Washington State. Washington State. All right, I might give you that one. The point is, from (laughs) here on out, Maryland is going to be playing games against teams with either an equal amount of talent or a greater amount of talent. And they can't keep making the same number of mistakes that they made against teams with a lesser amount of talent. That is for certain.
0: I'll give you that. I will give you that. Are there any? Is there any player that, besides Caleb Bro, that has to have a, an out of their mind best day at the office kind of performance like Perry Hills and Stephon Diggs had the last time Maryland went to
1: Morgantown? Yeah, um, one of the running backs would be great. <laughs> West Virginia has a terrific rush defense, and if Maryland is able to move the ball on the ground, that'll make life a lot easier for Caleb Rowe. Will likely. Will likely is always a key to victory for Maryland, just because he offers so much for the team. He is one of the best pass defenders in the country, um, and one of the best special teams players in the country. So if he can continue, Maryland has the is number one in field position on offense in the country. Number two, by the way, is West Virginia. <laughs> uh, of course, they are. So if Will likely can keep that up, uh, get Maryland in good field position on returns, um, make plays in the secondary. There's a chance Maryland can do some things. I mean, it's football. Like, we all know Randy Etzel hasn't beat a ranked team at Maryland. That is correct. That doesn't mean that Maryland can not beat. Uh, No, but they should be, honestly. Uh, It doesn't mean Maryland can't beat a ranked team or a good team if everything goes their way. It's just, man, this is not looking like the week for
0: it. Uh, well, Well, I think we have a little bit of time so we can get into this. We'll talk about the Big Ten the the schedule it's not i mean th- there are the games that maryland will guarantee that you that they, they will lose wisconsin ohio state michigan state but the other five you're telling me maryland can't win a couple of them maybe oh sure good, sure they a, can a handful of them
1: i'm sure they will like i okay Randy we, we Assel talked about is Rutgers. A football coach Every by single, trade yeah. everything
0: is all going wrong with Rutgers. they can at least beat them
1: Maybe. I mean, I, I, I don't feel comfortable guaranteeing any of the games. I feel confident that Maryland will win at least two more games this year. I feel confident that at some point down the road that'll happen because we've seen games before where Maryland comes out prepared and plays well, looks like a Randy Utzel team, and wins a game they're supposed to win. Um, but there's a lot of tough teams on the schedule compared to where Maryland is at right now, and they're going to need to play much better than they have so far this season um uh, granted i as i wrote on espnation.com every team is bad right now i mean i think something that's important for people to remember is that these are mostly teenagers And teenagers make a lot of mistakes, if any of you all remember, when you were a teenager. I am
0: still, well, I'm 22, but I remember, it wasn't long ago when I was a teenager. There you go. screwed up quite a
1: lot. That's how we got this podcast. I'm just kidding. Put it this way. Last season, Ohio State won the national championship and returned almost every notable part from that team, including arguably the best player in the country, Joey Bosa, and three Heisman candidate quarterbacks, one of whom they moved to wide receiver. Ohio State has looked bad this year. I mean, like... The beginning of the season in college football, I know I'm kind of contradicting what I'm saying earlier, but the beginning of the season in college football is a sloppy mess. Maryland has looked sloppier and messier than most of the other teams, which is what causes concern. But there's no reason to think that, like, any team can't get better. Maryland, though, absolutely needs to get better. Ohio State doesn't need to get that much better to, like, do well. Maryland needs to get better and soon because – that schedule is coming, and well, they can't it's here. Keep making those mistakes. Yeah, it's here, starting Saturday.
0: It is here. So let's get to some questions. I think that we – need to talk about that by the way brian clore on twitter just sent this in as we were recording nice to see west virginia had a whole year and three weeks to prepare for terps Liz, liberty and georgia southern so he thinks
1: the same way i do it's not just me and i and i promise you brian's not paying attention either uh, oh, I, Stephen i godfrey wrote a profile on georgia southern y'all need to read up that is one of the most winning programs in college football y'all heard of paul johnson uh yes paul johnson won national championships at georgia southern now they're at the fbs level winning again
0: Oh, OK. Well, it's that's true.
1: Could team he that be... beat,
0: this team beat Florida. Oh, you remember? Him. Yes. Now I remember. Well, that well, again, we'll watch Florida, uh, still Florida. <laughs> we'll Florida. Anyway, uh, let's let's uh, get to some questions. Uh, John Levine asked a couple. The one that I wanted to talk about is we're at two and one now with Maryland. What do you think their final record used, uh, looks like? You said that they have two more wins than them, at
1: least. <laughs> I said at least, yeah, sure. At uh, least, right now I'm feeling I'm feeling very confident in four eight. Ooh, uh, that's but, a great great thing to say. But sure, it could get better. It's just it's you know there's a lot of time left. I also I want to say one more thing about Georgia Southern actually before we stop talking about this them.
0: is a Georgia Southern podcast if you yeah. hadn't already realized it. Yeah,
1: you're, you're you're aware of uh, PJ Fleck in Western, Western Michigan. I
0: am aware of PJ Fleck in Western Michigan.
1: Don't you, they play Ohio State this weekend? I uh, think so. Georgia Southern played them. You know what happened? What? They beat them down, forty-three to seventeen. Uh, Oh, no. Georgia Southern is a good football team that got whooped by West Virginia. So just be careful, Maryland fans, thinking that West Virginia had some cupcakes scheduled. Uh, Yes, you can count that, almost any FCS school. Any FCS school not named North Dakota State. Uh, Georgia Southern, good football team that West Virginia just destroyed.
0: So why aren't we being linked with uh, uh, Georgia Southern's coach yet? Or how (laughs) haven't you brought it up?
1: Uh, it's it's not that time of year yet. Well you we just spent fifteen minutes talking about it last week for God's sake. Come on now, Pete. Well he's only in his second year there. So it's you know, it's a little early. It's, it's a little, little
0: it's it's never too early to be talking about the future head coach of Maryland, which is coming. <laughs> We said that a week ago. There,
1: yeah, I mean, we can all guarantee that there will be a Maryland football coach after Randy Etzel. We just don't know when.
0: I would hope so. <laughs> uh, Jeff got on Twitter asked a question that was very interesting because it was brought up in May, but it hasn't been talked about all that much. Any news on a Maryland series home and home with LSU?
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, like you said, in May, basically a report came out from the LSU side of things saying that uh, LSU and Maryland had been discussing preliminary plans um, about playing a series. That is the last we heard of it. So I'm sorry. I don't have any new news.
0: So now that we know, well, at least they were talking to LSU. That's a good thing. And we know in a couple of years they're playing Texas. And by playing Texas and home and home, I mean they're going to Austin and playing them at FedEx Field, which is the stupidest thing ever. If you're going to play away from College Park, at least play it in Baltimore. Don't play it at that dump. Anyway, what are some out-of-conference opponents, now that the Big Ten has gone to three uh, out-of-conference games and they can't schedule FCS opponents anymore, who are some opponents that Maryland could schedule that would make the program better and also kind of drive some interest? Because playing Texas, even if Texas is bad, which they are, is a good thing for the program.
1: Yeah, I think uh, one potential option. Basically, there was some news on this angle from the Big Ten today. Um The Big Ten, as we all know, has banned teams from scheduling FCS teams and is mandating that they play at least one Power 5 team per year. Um, But today it was announced that some teams can get exceptions. Basically, if you say, hey, this team's been pretty good recently, the Big Ten say, okay, that counts as a Power 5 team. So like Notre Dame and BYU, for instance. Or also Connecticut and Army, apparently. Um, Hi, Rutgers. Yeah, I don't uh, Those not coincidentally, are already on Big Ten schedules. Um, I think that the one that I want to see the most is Navy. I would like to see Maryland play Navy every single year. It's the only other program in the state, um, and I think that would be a really great game, uh, and I think they could get that exception for that. Other than that, I think another uh, good program to play would be Virginia Tech. Or Virginia. Or Virginia. Um, Get that ACC stuff back going. Or, of course, Maryland's true ACC rival, pittsburgh
0: <laughs> i know that would make alex kersner very excited <laughs> oh god he would be he would be going absolutely crazy about it he also asked another question i, I have no idea whether this was even mooted or not but i figure oh, we haven't had so many diversions in this show we can ask this uh, any news on stadium expansion or general renovation to burke they just did that oh, and yeah they i don't have
1: money i'm not really sure what this this question is for uh no. I we will let you know as soon as that happens, I promise you. Uh, well, getting alcohol It is unlikely. Big I believe the question was saying was uh, stating a desire for a bird to get up to 70,000 seats. Why would you even consider that at the moment? Well, that would be great if like Maryland could fill that. Maryland can't fill 40,000 now, let alone like the 50,000 that they're supposed to. So, um
0: Let's let's wonder when Penn State and Texas come to College Park, Maryland, and not Washington, not Landover or Baltimore. Then we could start worrying about expanding Bird Stadium. Sure. That would be that would be the important thing.
1: No, but to answer the question a little more seriously, I would expect that to be on the table in about five to ten years, once the facilities are done, and ideally once the program has risen to a point to match those facilities. Because I I still honestly believe those facilities are a game changer. They are so vital so vital in recruitment and development Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see how Maryland football is as a product after that's finished
0: well let's get to the final question from same from John Levine do we close strong with final football recruits that's a pretty general one it's a a general question but I, I think and we're not the recruiting experts here but obviously the facilities help that and the coaching insecurity doesn't but will Maryland be able to close strong with some of the D.C. area recruits we talked about, I think, a week ago?
1: I think uh, it all depends on your definition of strong. Um, as far as my definition of strong goes, yeah. I think that Maryland, um, unless they win less than four games, because I see four games as like the minimum for Randy Etzel retaining his job. Um, if they would win less than that, then everything's off the table. But I think that if they're able to win enough games to keep Randy Etzel's job, Maryland will hold on to all the important recruits, or at least most of them, and add multiple more blue-chip players. Um, I think Rashawn Smith, the linebacker uh, from Florida, who used to be committed to Clemson, who, it is worth noting, is an even better prospect than Dwayne Haskins. Um, He is, in my opinion, likely to go to Maryland.
0: Why would you say that? Because that that seems interesting. Why would somebody who was going to Clemson thinking about coming to a, right now, middling program in the Big Ten? Just just out of curiosity.
1: Yeah, well, um, it's al- it's not always that straightforward. In fact, it's rarely that straightforward. Um, I, I know, but um, as far I far to
0: simplify th- it for people.
1: So. Yeah, I'm trying to as well. Uh, as far as Rashawn Smith goes specifically, uh, Maryland this offseason hired Corey Robinson as the director of player development. Um, Roberts- Robinson was a- an assistant coach at St. Francis Academy in Baltimore and at the IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. Do you want to take a wager as to the two high schools Rashawn Smith has played football at?
0: Those two.
1: Those two. They are very close, um, and it was a terrific hire for Maryland because he has a lot of connections in Baltimore and a lot of connections at IMG Academy, which is just a powerhouse high school uh, program. So it's not, I think... just
0: for, it's not just for football; it's for every single
1: sport. Absolutely, and um, yeah. So basically, the short answer: Corey Robinson.
0: Ah, good. Good to know that Maryland is hiring those kind of people. Anything else you want to say before we end this somewhat abbreviated and somewhat odd show because we've had internet connection issues while we were recording it?
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, basketball season's around the corner.
0: Yay! Oh, I almost forgot. Tonight, and by tonight I mean Tuesday, (sighs) you're going to be listening to this the day after it happens. Gary Williams is being roasted. This is not on any sort of terrestrial television in Washington. Damn it, Pope. (laughs) <laughs> like, why could you be a couple days later? This is roast needs to be seen by everybody.
1: Ah, uh, Matt said, "Damn it, Pope, he's going to hell." Uh,
0: well, I, I'm going, I'm going to hell for another reason. It is Yom Kippur tomorrow. Tonight is Kol Nidre, one of the holiest nights of the year, and I will be on my bed watching the Mets probably lose to the Braves. <laughs> so I'm going to hell for other reasons too. But <laughs> so why is this not on television, and why can't we see it because we need to?
1: Yeah, I don't know, I, Maryland. I, I assume this is a Maryland-related event. I get press releases for Maryland stuff, and nobody mentioned this, so I don't know if this is, like, I,
0: something I don't think off. It's conne-
1: I don't think it's connected with
0: Maryland. I know Sean Merriman
1: will be there. Yeah, well, Sean Merriman and Gary Williams are going to be there, so I wish I had heard about it beforehand. Uh, but I don't know. I, I feel like this would have been a good opportunity for, for Maryland to have some fun.
0: I did see somebody ask, like, is anybody going to the event uh for us, for us because i don't even know don't where it is i
1: don't either why <laughs> i don't know I when these? it is <laughs> i just know sean merriman tweeted he's going to it <laughs> that um, was the I, first i heard of it okay if you
0: are a maryland fan and you are going to this and you can please get video send it care to pete volk at whatever your email address is and so you we,
1: have esp so you can tell that we need this
0: ahead of time we oh well now you do well, now you know. So send it in so we can dissect it and laugh at it and enjoy it because it will be more enjoyable than watching uh, Maryland play West Virginia on Saturday. By the way, one final note, that game is on Fox Sports 1. That's channel 88 if you're at Maryland and you don't know the cable system. Do you know who the color commentator for that game is going to be? No. Petros Papadakis. Oh, God. This is where, okay, so part of me is actually saying, can it be 35 nothing by the end of the first quarter so I can turn the game off? I can't. have to really. listen to him. I know you can't. I once but... went
1: to Petros' family's Greek diner in L.A. I really? met Petros there. Yeah.
0: Uh, I should have probably done that. I was in L.A. this summer. Although, what, here's what you can do. You can either turn on Johnny Holiday, or you yes. can turn on WMUC Sports and listen to them call it, because it will be better than Petros, probably. Yes. You, I would recommend doing that, because WMUC is very awesome. Much anyway, better
1: than Petros.
0: It, a lot of things are better than Petros. Probably listening to any of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles call a Maryland game would be better yes. Petros. <laughs> Watch the Michael Bay Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. It's actually, don't do that. That's a terrible idea. I'm sorry for ever mentioning it. Anyway, thank you very much for being here, Pete. Sorry, again, preemptively for the audio issues. If you hear some jump cuts, it's because we had internet outages, and it's all on Pete's end. It's not me. It's true. Although he's, although he's admitted it, which is nice of him. Yes, so, blame me. So next week, we will be back, probably lamenting Maryland losing by 70. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to talk about a night game at Bird Stadium, which is very exciting.
1: I'm telling you, if Maryland wins that game, I'm doing the podcast drunk. I'm sorry, Matt. Uh, uh, it's all if, over.
0: What? If Maryland beats Michigan? No, West Virginia. Oh, if Maryland beats West Virginia. Uh, will you be at the same time burning couches?
1: Uh, no, I don't even own a couch. Are you kidding me? I'm poor. I'm a sports writer for a living. <laughs> Who owns a couch?
0: Uh, I have one in my apartment,
1: but I can't burn it. It
0: comes with the uh, stuff.
1: Yeah, so you don't own it.
0: But have a West Virginia person <laughs> donate it to you. They have plenty of sure, couches to go sure. around.
1: Yeah, yeah. Did you know that they, like, passed laws about outdoor furniture to prevent this? You're they no did. longer allowed to have outdoor furniture in West Virginia because people burn it too much. <laughs> well, or in okay. Morgantown specifically. I don't uh,
0: want to say. Ah, So here's another lesson. Don't have college game day in Morgantown, West Virginia anymore.
1: Speaking yeah, because of- they will go and take away uh, their set. Lee Corso set his chair and all that. They did they? No.
0: Oh, I wish they did. That would have been funny. <laughs> uh, by the way, one quick uh, note. Our, our friends over at Crimson Core, the Indiana blogger, stumping for game day to go to Indiana. Now, even though I think that's really silly and it's Indiana football, I just want it to happen because then it means Maryland will get game day one day, Yeah, I'm which in. they
1: deserve. 100% in. You, the Indiana team that breaks Maryland's heart later this year
0: uh, in the senior day, my senior day my last football game as a student, but I don't even want to think about that before it happens, but by that point basketball will already have happened, so that's good we won't have to think about it then, thank you for listening once again, hope you like some of the new goodies and toys we have in this podcast of course, I'm